Ephesians chapter number 6, we've been talking about God's provisions, and we started the new year last week talking about being dressed for the battle, and this morning we're going to talk about the armor, and, and really what we're going to do is, we're just, we're, I broke this up kind of in two parts, so that's why we won't be an hour and ten minutes like normal, uh, try to save you a little bit, something, try to give you some bird's eye view here of the armor and try to give you some time to kind of comprehend and think about these things because we do have a, this provision given to us. And the provision here is in this issue here about the armor. Uh, we started in verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And we've really kind of been looking at that over uh, over the last studies, over the last several months of, the, of, of uh, last year, and the issues of the strategies of the adversary. And Satan has strategies. They're called wiles, uh, sleight of men and cunning craftiness. And we looked at that. We went into Colossians 2 and spent some time looking through those four main attacks that he, he uses in on the, the, the church, the body of Christ. It's always fascinating to me that none of those were economic. None of those were physical. None of those were anything that tangible. It's all mental. It's all in our thinking. It's all spiritual. And therefore, guess what? Our armor is spiritual as well. The fiery darts down in verse 16 and so forth. We'll get down there. Verse 11, put on the whole armor of God. Verse 12, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. I don't want to skip all these and just get into the armor. I want you to think about we wrestle not against flesh and blood. You have to understand your warfare is not with the person, okay? If you're a Republican, your warfare is not with the Democrat or another Republican or vice versa or whatever. The warfare is where? In the spiritual realm. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principality, against powers, against the rulers of darkness, of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Our spiritual warfare there is key, and it's critical that we understand that. If you come back with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, and on your way to 2 Corinthians 10, stop in chapter 9 just real quickly here. Chapter 9 and verse 8. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 8. The equipping, the provisions that, that the Father, that, that really the Godhead provides to us. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 8, And God is able to make all grace abound toward you. So how much of God's grace are we getting? All of it. Not piecemealed out, not just this little bit, not just, but all of it. That ye always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. Now, the good work in the passage is giving. It's verse 7 there about the cheerful giver, okay? And verse 6 and following in the context. But what I want you to see is you have all sufficiency. When, when you get saved and God takes you and puts you into His Son, Colossians 2 says we're complete in Him. That is all the sufficiency, all of of the all of grace, he's given it to you. Now you don't feel it, okay? You don't get a email notice or a text message and say, "Hey, you have all this." You get it because you understand you 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 understand it from God's word. Israel walked by sight, 
Moses tells Israel, see your salvation. See it. Pay attention. How do we walk? By faith. The only way that we can operate and function properly is that we believe that God has said to us the issues that we're looking at. Therefore, the Bible issue is an issue. Because what do we have to have? What God said to us. Okay? What did he say to you? You have all sufficiency. All sufficient. Able to stand alone. Lacking nothing. So when you think about the provisions that God has made, given to us, what has he given to us? Everything. It's found, they're on the pages of his word. We have to study them. We have to come to some understanding of them, put them into our inner man, take them out, and then let it work out through and live that way. But we have it. In Ephesians, Paul will say that you're able to comprehend with all saints what is the height, the length, the depth, and the breadth, and to know. That means you can do this. It doesn't mean you can't do it. But you're going to do it to your capacity, to your understanding level. I do it to mine. You do it to yours. But you can do this. You're not left. I love that over there in Acts. He says that he put up the barriers around the nations were one blood, that they may seek and feel after the Lord. You're not blind. The lost are blind. The blindness of this world, the blindness there. 2 Corinthians 4. See, you're not blind. you got the light. The lights are on at home. Are, are they? <laughs> but they are. Okay? And you can go, why? Because we have this provision. We have this, this whole realm of information given to us. We have all sufficiency. We lack nothing. We can stand in that. And that is what we're going to get into in the armor here, is we're going to stand and we can withstand. When, when you have it all, and you know you're not lacking anything, then when life beats on you, you're not going, okay, what did I miss? Am I missing something? Not at all. I'm what? I have it all. We moved Emily. And she goes, I'm missing something. I'm like, what are you missing, girl? We just unloaded a U-Haul truck. You better. What? And she's like, well, it's in this drawer in the left side, and it was in the bathroom and stuff, and I just forgot. I was like, all right, I can get that because that's a Walmart bag, you know, and you can come down here and get it, you know. But see, the thing is, is she, what did she do? She's unpacking, she, and she goes, I'm what? We're unpacking who we are in Christ, and you know what? We ain't missing anything. We go to put together some of the furniture that she bought. And I'm putting it together, and I go, oh, I'm missing my hammer. And it's always the hammer, isn't it? You know, we got the screw gun, we got everything. So you know what I did? I went down in the foyer and found me a rock. Because I had to get it done, you know. And I ain't coming back. No, I'm going back. But I, So you go down there, and I found the perfect rock. Shaved right, bam, bam, bam. And I put it down. I said, here's your first rock. She's like, I don't, that's you and mom. Give me alone, you know. But what, you miss, you're not missing anything to do the job. That's the point. I was missing a hammer. I couldn't do the job. I couldn't get it finished. I improvised. But we don't have to do that. We have it. We're going to have a warfare that's spiritual. 
You're not sitting out here. He doesn't just leave you high and dry. Now, religion tells you that. Religion beats into you that you are left high and dry. So therefore, you have to come and do. The Word of God says, no, dude, you got it all, man. Just relax. Come to understand it. Study it. Put it in that inner man. And then go live it. I was on the phone with a young lady just last night. 45 minutes, an hour conversation. And I kept Read three chapters a day. That's all. Don't study it. Don't chase down. Just read three. Because what happens? You get that word into your inner man, and it begins to change how you think and how you talk about things, how you interact, how you do. But, but it's doing the work. And all you're doing is reading. Now you get studying it, and you know then things begin to fall apart. <laughs> Just read. Why? Because it's, it's a spiritual thing. 2 Corinthians 10. With Ephesians 6.12, that issue of the spiritual wickedness in high places and in connection with the armor, all of the armor that we're going to be looking at in Ephesians 6, and again, we're going to look at it in a bird's eye view, okay? Because otherwise we'd be here for a, the whole year just talking about the, de- the, the, the in-depthness of it. And we will get into some of it later in the year, at least that's my plan. Right now, I just want you to understand the provisions that God has given us. He's given us some provisions here in Himself, in His Son, in the Spirit, and they are spiritual in nature. They're designed to operate in your inner man and for your inner man. Now, He uses descriptions, physical descriptions, so that you can understand the spiritual connection. Why? 2 Corinthians 10, look at verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh... We do not war after the flesh. You ought to read that verse, memorize that verse, love that verse. He didn't take you out of this flesh. We live here, don't we? Your flesh, your body. But what? We don't war after the flesh. We don't war there. You live in it. You suffer in it. You have uh, exciting days. You have tough days. I mean, 34 floors. I'm sitting there going, that's a lot of floors. I think I worked out for the Grand Canyon enough this week, you know, up and down, up and down. But you live in it, you, but yet our war's not there. Verse 4, for the weapons of our warfare are not, what, carnal, flesh, this, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Think about that. What is the adversary doing? He's putting strongholds into your life. Things that grip your life and control your life. And and he says, no, pull those things down. But how you pull it down is by walking by faith and not by sight. How how do you do that is you understand that this war isn't physical, it's spiritual. Now, look at the next verse. Casting down imaginations in every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Man, what the battle is for your mind. The battle is for your thinking. And I'll, make, I'll say this so that you kind of maybe think about this. Verse 5, you need to be very careful with that. The strongholds in your life are in your thoughts and in your imaginations. They're not whether you like a... Ricky and I were talking this morning about Genesis, the car and the new car they're coming out with. It isn't about that. It's in how you think about that and what begins to consume you and what begins to control your thinking. 
your mindset. How do you think about this? And how do you think about that? He builds a stronghold in there. And he says, man, you're going to cast that down. How? you got weaponry. You've got armor. You've got sufficiency. The end of that verse, in bringing into captivity every thought, and everybody says, oh, you've got to think like Jesus. That's not what that verse says. It says what? You're going to bring that thought into the captivity to who? To the, no, to the obedience of Christ. Not your obedience, His obedience. What did He do? you got to be very, little words mean big things sometimes. See, I know, I've heard grace preachers say, you got to bring every thought to Christ. That's not what that verse says. That verse says you're going to bring it to what? To obedience of who? Of Christ. What was his thought process? Not my will, but thy will be done. What was his process of thinking? Not I, but them. I esteem you better than myself. I'm dying for you, you ungodly, you low-down sinner, you, hip, you hypocrite. You, I died for you. Romans 5.8, okay? You see, he's not talking about, Lord, that wasn't in obedience to your word. I'm sorry, Father, forgive me for I've sinned. He's not talking about that. He's talking, you got to think like Christ. Our goal, our mantra, our push is to have his mindset. You got to think about that. It's not, oh, I didn't have this today and I had a bad day. You know, No, it's, hey, how did Christ think about this? How would he think in this situation? We've been studying it in Romans 14 and 15 about the weaker brother, stronger brother relationship. How do you think about it? What do you do? Romans 15, 7. Receive him as Christ hath received you to the glory of God. So the armor. is a, The warfare is spiritual. It's for your thinking. Go back to Ephesians 6. It's for your mindset. It's for how you're going to proceed. Because if he can build a stronghold in your life, if he can come along and he can attack the message, which is what we talked about last week and just in, in, in a in a uh, review session, if he can cause you to leave the word rightly divided, and he can cause you to come over here and go back under the law program, if he can come along here as a messenger and discredit you and discourage you and to cause you to shut up and not speak and not live who you are in Christ, or he can reduce your audience, he's got you what? Out of the battle. He never takes you out of Christ. He can't. Okay? You're sealed. You're in. But he can sure enough make you an ineffective soldier. He can, we're soldiers. Come over to, to uh, 2 Timothy 2. 2 Timothy 2. You see, folks, we're talking spiritually here, okay? By the way, physically, economically, you know why you're where you're at? Because you, you decided to be there. You did that. You took that job. Okay, you did this, you bought that car. That Genesis we were talking about was like $90,000. I'm like, oh, I'm going to choke a horse, man. <laughs> you know, I could buy four cars for that, right? You know, maybe. I don't even know. I heard Chevy's going up in their prices. So if that happens, we're done. Forget it. You know, but see, the thing is, is you're, you're there because of the decisions that you made. We're talking spiritually here. How did I make those decisions? Look at 2 Timothy 2 2 1. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of 
Jesus Christ. You're a soldier. Yes, you're an ambassador. Yes, we have a message of grace and peace and the gospel and so forth. And yes, we have that make all men see the fellowship mantra. But ultimately, bottom line, it you're a soldier. You're, on, you're in a battle, a warfare. That's why verse 4, no man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. Listen, what are we to do? Colossians says, set your affections on things above, not on things. Seek that stuff. Our mindset should be out there in the future. Now, I know we got to live in the nasty now and now. I get that. Now go back to Ephesians 6. But when you do that, you're doing it as a soldier. You're doing that as a boom, let's go, let's get in this. Let's go to battle here. That young man that was hurt in the football game, First question he asked, do you remember what the doctor said? Did we win the game? Okay? And the doctor's answer was appropriate. Yeah, you're winning in life right now, buddy. Calm down, you know. But why would he say that? Because instilled in the football player is what? War, battle, soldier, my brother to the right, my brother to the left, and on we go. Why? Because that's what it is. It's the only legalized violence in America. Sits on the, gird, uh, the, the, the the football field. You can't do what you do in public out here, at, down here at Chili's. You go in there and tackle somebody and beat them up. You're in trouble. But they sure it's legalized on the football. And what? But why? They're warring. They're soldiering. That's what we're in. We're in a battle, folks. Look at verse 12. Verse 13, wherefore take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day. That evil day there is not the tribulation. It's not the 70th week. Get that out of your mind. That evil days today, this perverse and crooked world we live in, it's right here, right now in the dispensation of grace. And having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. The pieces of the armor are listed there. And they're listed in, in really a couple categories. The first three pieces, verse 14 and 15, are have to do with our identity in Christ, who we are in Christ. Then the second pieces in verse 16 and 17, the helmet and the sword and the shield, those are defensive in nature. They're above all, again, from last time, above all, they're sitting there ready to quench the fiery darts because the fiery darts aren't always coming at you. You're not always in the, in the building. Think about this, the football player. When does he wear his helmet? When he steps between the lines, right? But when he comes off, what does he do? Takes that bad boy off. Why? He's not in the battle. I'm in the battle, put the helmet on. Same idea. Same same principle. Because when you get in that battle and those darts are coming, what do you need to grab? You need to stand, you need to put that shield of faith up there. You need to get behind that. So above all, not in you're gonna better than the first three, but rather hey, I'm going to take, that means those first three are on permanently. I never take those off. Then you've got one offensive weapon, that's the sword of the Spirit, and then you've got a communication element to the battle, and that's the issue in verse 18 of prayer. 
and we'll get down into all that as we come along. The first one, the loins girt about with what? Truth. Your loins, your midsection. In working out and in looking at things, and you go to the gym, and they say, we need to build your core. That's what we're talking about. Your loins, your core, your core strength. You go back in Job and and, and back there, and you in the core strength. This area right here. Oh, don't do that. This area right here. Wait, your core. What do you do? You get down in the plank position. Have you done one of those in a while? I started doing them. I ain't doing them no more. It hurts. Why? Because what does it do? It makes you build that strength. But do you know that if you have, if you got a little weight on you, but your core is strong, you're good to go? Doctor said so. I asked him. So there's your science, okay? Look, folks, you can have a little weight and your core be solid. You're going to gird up your core. You're going to bring your core. By the way, if you ever got wounded in here, is that vital? Oh, yeah, it is. When I had my motorcycle accident, I hurt up in my right side here, and the, and the paramedic said, you need to go to the hospital. I said, well, I'm not riding in that. I'll go. And I said, why? He goes, because you hurt, and there's vital issues right in here that need to be looked at. Spleen, and I'm like, who, who needs a spleen, right? Apparently you do, okay? <laughs> All right, who needs that? Who needs a lung? You know, come on, you know? So, but see, the thing is, is, so what do you do? I go to the hospital, and you get taken out. Why? Because that's core. We're in here, and you're core. Vital organs here. But you got a loins, gird up. you got a girdle. Come, come over to Matthew 3. So what he's talking about here, just, just see this. Put something in, in, in Ephesians. He's talking about girding up your life. Matthew 3. He's talking about, build, get that core. Where does your strength come from? Your strength comes from who you are in Christ. Your strength comes from Ephesians 1, all the chapters. That's where your strength comes from, who you are. Your strength comes from understanding Romans 6, 7, and 8. Your strength comes from understanding who you are. And you're to take the flowing robe of life. The Roman soldier, when they would get dressed, I think about that. Paul's chained to a Roman soldier when he was writing Ephesus. This is in Acts there. When he's writing Ephesians, and he saw that soldier every day. And their undergarment was a robe, was a, was a we would call it like a nightshirt from the westerns, okay? And they would take their, their belt, a girdle, all right, and cinch it all in. They would bring it all in and get it under control. And you're to take, we're in, in the armor here, in the girdle of truth, we're to take the flowing robes of life and we're to tie it all up with the belt of truth, with the truth. Romans 3, I'm sorry, Matthew 3, description here of John the Baptist, verse 4, and, the, and the, uh, actually the description of Elijah too. And the same John had his raiment of camel, camel's hair and a leathern girdle about his loins. You see that girdle? That's what you're doing. You're pulling together the girdle of truth. You're using truth, the girdle of truth, and you're taking life all of your life, everything that you say and do, and you're bringing it under the control of truth. By the way, to that girdle, the breastplate hooks in. The scabbard for the sword hooks on. 
things begin to hook to this girdle, hook to the truth. Come on over to, on your way back to Ephesians, stop there at John 17. So you have things that hook into it in order to keep your life strengthened and together. And it's this girdle of truth. You have your life is to be under the control of the truth of God's word, rightly divided. John 17, 17, he says, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. That's what it is. Come on over to Ephesians 1. When you think about the truth, obviously, the word of God, what? Rightly divided. Because is there a set of truth that isn't talking to you and I today? Yes. Is there a set? Yeah. We get over here. Romans to Philemon. And what do we do? We put that belt on. I was going to bring my big weightlifting belt, but it like doubles up on me now because I had it when I was heavy and I didn't do that. But you bring, you just put it all together and you're using truth to do it. Look at Ephesians 1. The source, folks, the source of ultimate reality in your life is the Word of God rightly divided. That's the source of it. That's where it comes from. How many of you won the Mega Millions, so you're a billionaire now? Oh, come on, really? No, you got to play, right? You got to play. I, you know, if you don't play, you don't win, right? What? That's not reality, is it? Okay? What is reality? This right here, what we're doing, what we're talking right here. Look at Ephesians 1, look at verse 13. And whom ye also trusted after that ye heard... The word of what? Truth. The gospel of your salvation. See that issue about the word of truth? What do you do? You hear it? You believe it? You trust it? Is there another verse that we understand about the word of truth? 2 Timothy 2.15, study to show thyself approved. A workman unto God, need to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of truth. That's the issue in dispensational Bible study. That you have, to have, you have to get the truth out of God's Word. Come back to chapter 6. To get the profit from God's Word, it has to be the truth. So the first thing that he says, I've given, you the, I've given you the truth, the girdle of truth, the belt of truth. Get your life under the control of the truth. The strength in your Christian life, in your Christian walk, in your Christian soldiering comes from an attachment of the truth to your life. Where it comes in and takes... Now, by the way, he doesn't say, quit your job. He doesn't say, don't go over there. He doesn't say, go do that. He just says, when you go and do what you do in your life, do it with what? With who you are in Christ. Do it with the truth. Rejoice in that. Go do that with who you are. Again, you think about that Roman soldier. If, if you look there in chapter 6, if you look at verse 20, he says, for which Paul says, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak for bonds. He's under house arrest. He's in bonds. And he would put on that belt, take that flowing robe, and get it under the control. You know why? Because that way he doesn't step on it. That way it doesn't trip him up. Yet his life is controlled, and he's able to stand. Then in verse 14, he says, and having on. Notice, by the way, notice the key word. Stand, therefore, having. Have, and then he says, having on. You have this. 
But what do you have to do? You got to put it on. You have it. You got an Amazon package. It's got your name on it. It's the right address. It's yours. But what do you got to do? You got to put it on. Having on the breastplate of righteousness. Now think about the breastplate. That's right here through your torso. What is up here that's really vital? Not your lungs, your heart. They can fix your, they can replace your lungs with a pig lung, I think, or cow lung, or what was that? Hard lung, or anyway. They can fix, it's that heart. What do they do? Boom, 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 boom. Vital. If you lose your heartbeat, that young man that died on the, or he didn't die, but on, on that football field, CPR was to keep what pumping? The heart. I've been in CPR classes. The last class I went to, working in the bus, we were, you know, you're working on a dummy, so you're just kind of, uh. And we had, we had Gertha from, the, from, from Russia or something. No, you're not doing it hard enough. I mean, she was boom. So, okay, do it a little harder. <laughs> no, you're not doing it hard. And she goes, I want to see your knuckles on the, underneath that. And, I mean, and she, we're like, what are you talking about? Well, because you got to break the sternum. you got things up here that just can't. you got to get in. And I'm like, holy cow, man, if I did that to somebody, Oh, my goodness. Well, that's what they're doing. But why? To keep his heart pumping, to keep the blood flowing. It's a vital organ now. It's a, it, this piece is protecting the vital organs of, yes, your lungs, but of your heart. If God has your heart, he has everything, doesn't he? Proverbs says so. So, yes. See? He, he's after your, your heart, Righteousness, again, not your righteousness, his righteousness. Isaiah 64, 6, I put it on the overhead in the handout. You can go, your righteousness is as what? Filthy rags. He's talking about his righteousness, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. You see, folks, this isn't your, your activity or you doing or you trying to accomplish something. It's what he has already, it's who you are in Christ. Who am I in Christ? Well, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 21. For he hath made him to be sin for us. Who knew no sin? That we might be, what's that word? Made the righteousness of God, where? In him. He's not talking about you in you. He's talking about you in him. That's a wonderful verse. Look at that. The breastplate of righteousness, his righteousness, the righteousness that we have and who we are in Christ. I love that word made. Two times. He, he hath made him, and then we might be made. Made. To make something is to take something that's this way and make it into something that it's not. The, original, the originality of our Savior was that he was sinless. He knew no sin. Yet what did he become? He became sin, didn't he? For who? For us? So, that what we, so he was made into something that he was never originally intended to be. But think about you and I. Who are we? We're sinners, aren't we? But now we have who? Righteousness. See, he took a sinner... And then he put, made us into something that we were never originally designed to be in. Because we're a sinner. And that he does. Come over to chapter 1, uh, uh, 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 1. Great verse here in 1 Corinthians. I've, I've been reading 1 Corinthians, getting ready to, 
teach it after teaching Romans. And I tell you what, man, 1 Corinthians is a, the, probably, well, not probably, it is the best commentary on the book of Romans is 1 Corinthians. Because in Romans, you get your foundation built, you get going, now you're going to go, go, and as soon as you step off the stage, that foundation, and you miss that step and you fall flat on your face, because that's what the Corinthians do. And he goes in and he says, okay, now let's talk about what's going on and let's get this fixed. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 30, But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God, so Christ Jesus, who of God, is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. The Father puts you into Christ. He says, His righteousness is now your righteousness. So the Father looks at you and says, You are righteous because you are in my Son. He was made unto us. He was taken. He's God. He thought it not robbery to be equal with God. He came in form of a servant. He became obedient unto death, the death of the cross, so that the, so you, by faith in His activity, now you have His righteousness. Come over to Philippians chapter 1. And here's the point in the armor, actually. Philippians 1. If you, if you appreciate the righteousness that, you, that you've been made in Christ Jesus... If you appreciate that identity that you have in Him, then there's protection in the armor. Again, you've got to put it on. He gave it to you. He sent it to you. He dressed it. It's hang on the hanger. And Emily's closet is her uh, graduation robe from ASU. I said, do you want that? She goes, no, I'm graduated. I'm like, okay, what does that mean? Yes or no, do you want it? Go on or go leave? She goes, why? She doesn't need it anymore. She's done. Well, I think she's done. Anyway, you know what will happen? She'll go back and do something else and go, I need my robe for graduation. And I have already gotten rid of it. So I'm not going to get rid of it. It'll stay. Besides, Linda won't let me, you know. Anyway. Philippians 1. Look at verse 11. Philippians 1, 11. Being filled with the fruits of, what? Righteousness, which are... By Jesus Christ, unto the glory and the praise of God. The fruits of righteousness, which are by who? Jesus Christ. Now, where am I? I'm in Christ. I, I love the end of that verse. Under the glory and the praise of God. God himself is glorified, is given praise, when your life is filled with the fruits of righteousness, of his righteousness. The Christian life is simply the fruit the life giving impact of the righteousness that we have in Christ. So the impact of the armor is when we put on that girdle of truth, when we put on that belt of truth of God's Word, rightly divided, and when we begin to have an understanding, a clear understanding of who we are as members of the body, who we are in Christ, that identity is going to protect you in life, protect you in the battle. It's designed to produce some fruit in your life. It's designed to produce some things in your, the experiences of your life. And that fruit provides protection because it comes up and it pushes all the stuff off the table 
that doesn't belong there. Titus 2, in verse number 12, he says, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust we should live. I love that. Soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. How do I do that? How do I deny? I, by a clear understanding of who I am in Christ. By having the fruit of His righteousness be mine and mine His, and we're together. Come back to Ephesians 6. You see, folks, we've got the armor. We have the provisions. We just got to do what? Put it on. Now, by faith, we put it on. You can say, Rick, you're full of mahari because look at life. No. Word of God says you're good to go. The mahari and all the foolishness is you're doing. Knock it off. Get over here. Understand this. And then go deal with that. Unfortunately, when we make decisions in life, we also reap the consequences of those decisions. Not always good, okay? Look at Ephesians 6. But by the way, you're equipped to handle that, to fix that, to work through it. Verse 15, next piece, third piece. And having your, and, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Again, a permanent thing. You're putting on the belt, you don't take it off. You don't take the truth off. You put on the, the breastplate, it connects to the belt, it's on. That Roman soldier goes to bed in the middle of wartime. He goes to bed, sitting up, sleeping, because he's got everything on. All he has to do at the, at the alarm of the attack is to grab the helmet, the sword, and the shield, and go to battle. He knows, by the way, he knows where the battle is. He's not guessing, which way do we go, you know, on a little Laurel and Hardy routine. He's not doing that. Your feet shod, you got shoes on. By the way, these aren't dress shoes, okay? I didn't wear my sparkly new shoes, but what happens with dress shoes with leather bottoms? They, they're a little slippery. Wrong. That's not the battle. These aren't high heels. Wrong battle shoes. These are the cleats in the football game. What are we doing battle? On the turf, on the pitch, on the field. So what are we doing? We're wearing the appropriate shoes. When I go hiking, I don't wear my tennis shoes. Because they don't, I tried. And I slipped and fell. I'm like, hey, no more hiking boots. Why? Because you need the grip. You need the stability. You've got the right shoes on. You've got the, the right footwear. You have the, that allows you then to have the ability to understand no matter what comes and how to deal with it. And it enables you to stand and to withstand. It grips the ground. You've got the right shoes on. And you've got them laced up and tied and ready to go. You're not over here digging and saying, okay. And by the way, what would be the right shoes? Well, it's the preparation of the gospel of peace. It tells you the right shoes. The preparation, by the way, not proclamation. I know what religion does with this verse. And if you're not given the gospel, every time you see somebody, then you're a failure. It doesn't say that. It says preparation, not proclamation. Okay? Big difference. Preparation. He's talking about the edification process. You're, you are to be firmly fixed, standing in a preparation. You are ready for battle. When that Roman soldier gets up, he's not worried about, do, do I wear the dress shoes or do I wear the boots? You know, I think about the Robin Williams movie, uh, uh, 
and the Vietnam movie that he did. Doggone it. And, uh, hello, uh, good morning, Vietnam. Yeah, and he does those voices and everything. Oh, it looks good. Every, why are you in green? Everybody clash, you know, and all this stuff. He's not talking about that. He's talking about you're ready. You got the belt on. You got the truth of God's word rightly divided. You know who you are in Christ. You got the breastplate of his. You're living in his righteousness. His, that's, and you're ready to go. And this is all about the edification process, being godly edified. Come over to chapter 4. Again, folks, we're talking about having the proper understanding of the truth, the Word of God, and who you are in Christ, and having that consume and fill the details of life. So who are you putting on? You're really putting on Him. And you got this armor, and you never take Him off. You never remove Him. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14, we've been here, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait the deceit. I, boy, what a verse. What a description of religion. You know that God doesn't want you as a child. He wants you as an adult. Adults in the family don't act like children. Adults in the family act mature, grown up. Now, they have to learn and grow. We get that. But you, you're not acting like a child. You know what a child does? A child is tossed to and fro. That's a child. A child is over here. Oh, it's sparkly. Oh, it's sparkly. Oh, no. An adult says, no, I'm right here with who I am in Christ. See? I, I talk to people, folks, two or three times a week that phone rings in there. I talk to people, and you know what they're doing? Whoop, sparkly over here. Woo-hoo-hoo. Uh, don't you? And I'm like, dude, the verse says right here. Verse 15 is where I'm at. But speaking the truth and love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. That's the point. Where are we headed? Prepare, preparation to do what? Grow up into him in all things. That's wonderful, folks. That's liberating. God wants you to grow up into hell. That's the edification process. That's the growth movement. That's starting here going, okay, we're going to start in Romans and we work our way all the way through the doctrine. I know what happens. We get this idea that, oh, you know, the church will do this and that. You know, it's, it's a funny thing. I, I'm getting ready for the end of the month, you know, that the meeting. You know, our goal here in, in ministry is to see all men get saved and come to the knowledge of the truth, okay? Where are the lost at? They're out there, aren't they? Where are the saints at? Right here. Who does the work of the ministry? You're in verse 15. Look up at verse 12. For the perfecting of the who? The saints. So what, then what do we do? We gather for what? Edification, growth. And then we scatter for evangelism. Because giving the gospel is a very personal thing. It's a very private thing. Faith is a very private issue. It's something you do here rather than here. Now, it's not that I don't am against having unsaved people come here. We'll give them the gospel and so forth, and that's fine. But your job is over here. Here we come together. Why? Because we gather to edify so that we can grow up in Him. So we can have an understanding, have our life come into the controls, under the controls of His Word. 
Reach the lost. Yes, go back to chapter 6. You've got to hurry. got to hurry. Okay? Reach the lost. Share the gospel with them. But you're going to share it with them where they are at. If you told your lost buddy, come to church with me, they're not going to come to church with you. Even if you bribe them with prime rib dinner after. But if you sit where they're at and you give them the gospel where they're at, they might listen to you. Just maybe. You never know. And then they get saved, and then what do you say? You come to church. we got to grow you. we got to get some learning in you. Okay? You see, to reach the lost, you go share the gospel, but you do it where they're at, not by bringing them here to this building. You, br- you get them where they're at. So the old saying is, is we gather for edification, scatter for evangelism. And the reason I say that is the end of verse 15. Preparation of the gospel of peace. Isn't that wonderful? To know that in the middle of the war, in the middle of the battle, you are a part of a peace plan. The, you're part of the real peace plan that's going to work. Right in the middle of the warfare. He says, the gospel, the preparation, the edification of peace. We def- Folks, we fight a defeated enemy. The adversary has lost. Triumphing open, open in the... Op- Colossians 2, sorry. And having spoiled principality and powers. What did he do? Spoiled them. They lost. They have lost. He made a show of them openly, triumphing over them. Every extended day of grace is the Lord poking it to the adversary of loser, 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 loser. You've lost. We fight a defeated enemy. So we need to understand that we need to fight from a position of victory rather than defeat. And when the adversary comes and the onslaught comes and those fiery darts come, we just pull the shield up and I got you beat, dude. We don't let them. It always amazes me. How in the world, why would you let the adversary have run over you in life when he is defeated? And that brings great comfort to know in the midst of the battle that we have peace. We have peace with God and we have the peace of God. We've got it covered. So we're not overwhelmed with worry or despair. Paul says that there in in, in 2 Corinthians 4. He'll say, troubled on every side, but yet not perplexed. Persecuted, but not despair. He just, no, yes, that's what it looks like. But man, we're good to go. Why? Because we've won the battle. We have peace. We fight from a position of peace. I don't have to. You know, when you have peace, you don't have to react to every little thing. That's wonderful. You know, every battle that comes your way, you don't have to fight. I do this weekly, by the way. You said this, and I disagree. Well, okay, next, delete. I don't have to go fight it. Now, if it's one of you guys here, I fight because you're here, you're mine. <laughs> and I fight for you and with you. 
But when, no, I don't have to. Why? Because I, I have peace. So when you think about the three pieces here, because it's time to quit, you're soldiering. Your strength comes from the Word of God rightly divided. Your heart is filled with that identity that we have in Christ. Your feet firmly prepared, firmly established in the peace and quietness that that identity produces. So we go into that battle to bring peace to those who have no peace. Because the lost have no peace. We have peace. So we go and fight. And then in verse 16, which is where we'll pick up next time, he says, above all. Again, not better than the other three. But now we're going to get the pieces that get attached to you when the battle is raging. Because the battle doesn't always rage. You understand that. Moments in life when, mo when the waters are calm. Man, I tell you what, when the waters are calm, you better be building in the doctrine. Because when the waters are rough, you're going to need that reservoir. And that's what we're doing. Just catch what's happening here. You have this. This is given to you. Having, having, having. But what do we have to do? We have to put it on. And we're talking again about that, those pieces here in the midst of that attack. And I would encourage you to have some peace. Peace starts here, by the way. Calm, quietness. And as that begins to filter down through into your life, into your inner man, it only comes from understanding the Word of God rightly divided. Religion, religion causes no peace. It's a constant stirring of the pot. The world and the world philosophy constantly stirring the pot. The Word of God comes in and says, here's the good news of the peace that you have with God and of God. And that He sees you not as a sinner, but as a righteous soldier in his family, a righteous adult in his family. Why? Because I have the breastplate of righteousness. He sees you complete. He sees you sufficient to go to war. Maybe in life right now you're not in a battle, in a war. That's okay. Build it in because I'll tell you what, that little law of uh, Murphy will get you. Why? Because life, life will get you. And you need to have that on board. What great provisions we have here in the armor that we can access and bring into the details of our life. And we should do that. Okay? All right. Dear Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word. We thank you for that which you've given to us in your word. The edification, the assurance, the confidence, the patience, and the hope. And Lord, I just pray as we go in our days, as we live our lives where we're at, that we would rest and relax in who we are in your Son and let your life live out through our lives in those activities of our lives. And we do it for your honor and for your glory. In your name we pray, amen.